had God's goodness. How do we get goodness into our life? The first phrase that hit me was, how do I get that goodness in me? And I couldn't help but pull that out. And then to watch it again and realize how ridiculous instructions are sometimes. I mean, if you really read instructions on boxes, they are pretty funny. And, uh, but they can also be pretty frustrating. I was over here um, this weekend putting, helping put together some of the stuff from uh, Ikea for our kids. Anybody put Ikea stuff together? Okay. Yeah, now we're talking. Now, so when we talk about following the instructions in Scripture... You know, sometimes it feels a whole lot more like Ikea than it does toaster pastries, you know? The toaster pastries are easy, and sometimes I know when you read the Bible, you open this up and you try to read it, and it is definitely more Ikea-ish. And uh, so that's what we want to look at today, though, is this whole idea of how do we follow the directions that God has for us, because again, what we've been saying in these last weeks is through Jesus Christ... Through his death on the cross on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter morning, he has done everything that's necessary so that you could be spiritual millionaires, so that you could have every spiritual blessing that's yours in heaven, so that we would have everything that we need for life and godliness. It's all there. Now, see, that would be really frustrating, you know, if the toaster pastry, you wanted it that bad and you couldn't open the packet. And sometimes I think with God, he offers us these unbelievable promises and we're sitting there and we're feeling, but I can't open the packet. I can't get it done. I don't know how to do it. So Peter comes along and we're doing this whole series called Everything That You Need. And he is giving us some very, very clear instructions about how we can actually tap in to everything that's ours. Let me recap it a little bit. I'm just going to read through this passage that we've been doing. Started off with verse uh, 1 in chapter 2. Uh, that would be chapter 1 in 2 Peter. He's a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, writing to those who through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So we have a faith, and we talked about how that's the first gift that God gives you. Is this, he comes into your life, and all of a sudden you have an ability to believe. And he says, uh, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So now we have, can we put the verse up there? I'm not sure. Uh, So if we could, uh, but we have grace and peace, which are unbelievable things. I feel like as, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, just as human beings, we would love to have grace and peace in our life. And he says, you can have it, but have it in abundance. He keeps going. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life. Everything you need for life. I can't get that out of my head. Ever since I've been reading this in January for four months, almost five now, that is just unbelievable promise. For life and for godliness, which means to have God at the center of my life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. And we've kind of been talking about that, the, the fruit of the Spirit that can be ours. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And Susie said, you know what? I've been married for you, to you for 10 years. I've never heard you say faithfulness in that list. So from now on, faithfulness and self-control that you can have in your life. You can participate in those things. And you can escape the stuff that's destroying your life. The stuff that corrupts your relationships, that corrupts your own heart, and keeps you from having the life that you could have to the full. See, so we're, we're, we started off with that. And, it, it's, and then what he says is you can have all of that through your knowledge of God. Somehow, if you know God, then you can have all those things. So then we go to verse 5, and he says, For this very reason, 
because you have everything that you need through Jesus Christ. He goes, make every effort to add to your faith that you've received goodness, which is what we're going to talk about today. He goes on, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, good brotherly kindness, and love. And then in verse 8, he says, because if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective. And if you were here last week, that word means idle. We talked about this whole idea, uh, this whole idea that you push the clutch in and that makes you idle because the gears separate. Now you're not engaged with God anymore. And so if we don't add goodness, what we're going to talk about today to our life, apparently what happens is we disengage with God, therefore we don't really know him, and we don't have everything that we need anymore for life. It also keeps us from being unproductive, which literally means no fruit. And we talked about that last week. Sometimes you're walking your life and you just, you know you don't have fruit pouring out of your life. And it's frustrating, especially if you've ever tasted and seen that the Lord's good. It's frustrating when it's not pouring out of your life. And so Peter wants us to give us some instruction here about how this happens. He goes, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind. He's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, if you add this goodness that we're going to talk about to your life in increasing measure, you will receive a rich... Oh, wait, uh, da-da-da-da. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. If you are here today and you have missed the last two weeks, I can't tell you. Lots of times it doesn't matter what we've spoken on the week before. In this series, it is absolutely critical, I would say, that you listen to the first message and the second message, the, the two that we, they are so foundational for everything else that we're going to talk about today, okay? So I, I will refer back to that, but I want to encourage you, if this is your first time in the last few weeks, to listen on our, you know, we got iPod, you, you can do your podcast, it's on our online. If you don't have that type of access, you can even grab a CD out, out in the lobby. All right, so here we go. So what is goodness? I got to add goodness to my life, to my faith in God, if I'm really going to know him. Well, I, I was just thinking that, because we use the word good all the time. You know, isn't food good? Anybody else out there? Okay, oh, food is good, by the way. But can't food be bad? Yeah, food can be bad. Have you, I, we, Susie and I, we found this new coffee shop called Divas. It's on 33rd South. I'm telling you, somebody else has been there. I'm telling you, they have the best cream cheese chocolate cupcake ever. Like, ever. I mean, I sat there. I felt like a little kid with his birthday cake, you know, because he has to stick his finger in the frosting. I just took it, and I just... I mean, I was just licking the frosting off the top of the stuff. It is so good, and we use that word when it's like that. We also use good when it's a performance is good. You know, whether if it's an athletic performance, you go to an athletic event, and somebody is really good. What does that mean? It means they were effective, they were productive, they made it happen. If you're, a mu- if you're into music or theater, the arts, you go. You go and you, and you listen to that, you get done. Man, that, that guy is so good at what he does. What did that mean? It means when he played, it was beautiful, it was right. They were right on, the symphony. All these different people come together, they do their parts well, and it creates beautiful music. See, that's what good does. I, I, I did a study years ago on goodness, and there were a few things that really uh, uh, hit me with that. 
There's a few things that it means to be good. It means that you give yourself away. Uh, you know, you, you, when you say, man, guy's a good guy. He's a good guy. You don't say you're a good guy to somebody who hoards everything for themselves. You just don't do that. If a person's all about themselves, you don't usually use the word good. But if you're generous and you give yourself away, then that's what we call good. And we also, goodness at its core means to be productive. It means when, when something is working, it can even be a tool, right? Um, what I have down here? Oh, yeah, like in our kitchen. Lots of times I'll say, hey, Susie, where's the good knife? <laughs> we only have one. Anybody else like that? I mean, you know, the other one, you pull it out and you're just squishing the tomato the whole time, you know, and the seeds are squirting out. Where's the good knife? What do you mean when you say that? Where's the knife that works? <laughs> where's the one that's actually effective when I use it? See, that's goodness. And so if you're a good person, It usually means that you're giving yourself away. It means there's actually production that happens from your life. And when you produce it, it's beautiful. It's right. Because you can also produce negative things, right? You can give negative things. But goodness means it's beautiful when you do that. At its very core, it originally meant a quality that was appropriate for a person or an object. It came to mean the most outstanding quality in someone's life, or listen to this, the proper and excellent fulfillment of a task or duty. The word got into the moral world and it said it's virtue. It's being virtuous. It's moral excellence. In fact, when it's used of God, it's used when he does something and it's absolutely praiseworthy. You look at that and you go, man, God, you are good. (laughs) Okay? So everybody understand what goodness is? Okay, I, I, I think we already knew that, but I wanted to make sure that you understand when we talk about what it means to be a human being and you're good, that means you're not about yourself, you give yourself away, there's something about you that produces things when you do stuff, and when you do, it's beautiful, it's just right. Here's the second thing about goodness. God is good. God is good. In fact, one time a guy came up to Jesus and he said, "Um, teacher, what good thing, good thing must I do to get to eternal life? And here's what Jesus said. He goes, why do you ask me what is good? And then he said, there is only one who is good. There's only one who's good. Why why, why are you asking me about good things? Because there's only one who's good. Do you think I'm him? (laughs) It's kind of what Jesus was saying. Listen to these Old Testament passages. I think they're up here. 1 Chronicles 16.34. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 34, 8. I love this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 105. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I mean, the scriptures are just, I mean, I could just, we could spend the whole rest of the passage, the time together, I just read you the verses that tell us God is good, right? Because why? Because God always gives himself away. When God works, it's always effective and productive, and everything that he does is beautiful. And it's right. He's good. In fact, the Bible tells us that he gives good gifts. It says that every good gift comes from heaven above, from God. He says God's will is good, pleasing and perfect. And then it says, we talked about this last week, we are God's workmanship to do good works. And then I love this one, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So basically, you guys, when we're going to talk about goodness today, understanding that God is good, if we're going to ever understand at its core the definition 
of what it means to be good, then it must come from our understanding of God. And once we understand God's goodness, then we can start to figure out what it means for you and me to be good. Okay? So here we go. Make every effort. Give it all you've got to add goodness to your faith. Because if you do, it will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of God. And just remember, you guys, it is knowing God that helps us to actually experience the life. Jesus said again, this is eternal life, that you know me. And that's what it means. Okay? So we, it's, it's, it, somehow if we get this goodness in, it's going to do that for us. All right, here we go. So if I let God into my life, and here's what's interesting. Because right, what did we talk about? What does it mean? Um, there they are. Let's go ahead and throw this up here now. Um, hopefully this is making sense to you. It's really helping me. Not that. We don't need scripture. We need, I'm just kidding. We need graphics that show us. There we go. Bam. That picture right there has been the key thing for me in the last four months of understanding what it means to know God. Because if you know anything, if if you've been here with us, what it's saying is you have to let that person into your life to really know them. And if you're going to know them, you have to fully engage into their life. So if you're in any relationship right now and it's not going that great, I bet somehow you're not letting that person into your life and somehow you're not engaging in their life. Because once you do, then you really know them. So with God, if I'm going to know God and therefore have everything that I need for life and godliness, I'm going to participate in his nature, have grace and peace and abundance through knowing him, the first thing I have to do is what? I have to let God into my life. Now follow this. If you let God into your life, then you are going to let his goodness into your life because he's good. Does that make sense? A plus B equals C, therefore, you know, all that kind of stuff. God comes into your life, he brings his goodness. When you received faith, because that's how Peter started this thing, when you received faith, you put it in Jesus Christ. That's what you did. You put your faith in Christ. And when you received Christ, it says you were given the Holy Spirit of God, and God now lives in you, and he dwells in your heart. And what happens is, His goodness, therefore, because now he's in there and he's good, his goodness starts to take effect in your life. He starts to bring his life into yours. And you know him when he does. Now look at this passage. This is... I'm telling you, here's what's so fun for me about this this truth that we're going to be teaching for about two months, is it's everywhere in Scripture. I see it all the time popping up now for me. Look at what it says in Titus chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So again, grace saves you. Remember that? Not works. It is a gift from God. But the grace that brings salvation, which has appeared to all men, what does it do? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Do you see that? What happens? Like, man, I've been saved. I'm going to heaven. See, and what was happening when most of these guys were writing these letters to these New Testament churches, a lot of people were saying, man, this is great. Now that I've got that, I can do whatever I want to do. 
because it doesn't matter. And all of the guys who actually knew God and knew Jesus and walked with him are saying, you don't get it. If you've actually been saved, this grace that saves you now teaches you to say no to ungodly stuff and worldly passions. And it teaches you to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at this. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, when you receive Christ, you are not saved just to be able to go to heaven, saved from hell to heaven. You are saved so that you can live a life in this present age that is good. (laughs) That's what you're saved to do. And that's what happens. And so if I'm going to know God, then this goodness needs to start taking effect in my life. And what I found, you guys, is once you receive Christ, this really crazy thing happens. All of a sudden, you start to want to do good things. Anybody remember that? Okay, that was just me. Um, anyway, I, at least for me, in my experience, there was so much stuff that in my life that once you read Scripture, you realize, wow, that wasn't very good. And it was no big deal for me to do. Anybody relate to that? Okay, thank you, you all you sinners. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, just, you just do. And then, all of a sudden, you get God into your life, and this weird transformation takes place. And I've said it here many times. It's not that you can't still sin. Oh, you can sin. You just can't enjoy it like you used to. You can still do it, but now there's something inside of you that goes, you know, that's not good. It's not good. It's not productive. It's not helpful. It's not a blessing. It doesn't honor me. And you start to feel that inside. Why? Well, because you received Christ into your life. And he's good. And his grace that saved you is teaching you. It's not good. It's not good. See, it's so funny. I'll talk with people when they're thinking about maybe possibly receiving Christ, but they know they have this stuff in their life. And what you do is you say, dude, you do not have to clean that up before you get Jesus. Can I t- if that's you today, can I tell you that? You do not clean yourself up to get to Jesus. He goes, no, you are. You, you remember last week? You, you've fallen in the mud. I'm the one who picks you up. I'm the one who changes your heart. You don't change your heart. You receive me by faith, and then I start the work inside you. And now all of a sudden, you desire what he wants. You want to be giving. You want to be productive. You want to do things that are right. Psalm 25a, just Old Testament as well, says, Good and upright is the Lord. He's good. Therefore, because he's good, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right. And teaches them his way. See, that's what God does. So if you notice, what it does is it teaches you to say no to the stuff that's not good. It teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. And he instructs sinners. So in other words, you guys, here's the key of this, this, this next step. The guy comes up to Jesus. He says, hey, what good thing must I do to get to eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, what, why, why, what are you talking about good? There's only one who is good. See, and one thing I've realized now is I'm not that one. Anybody else realize? Amen. Who knows me? All right. No. But I mean, when, when you realize, see, when Jesus says there's only one who's good, you, when you run into Jesus, realize you're not the one. 
that he's just a little bit better than you are. So you might be sitting here today and you may think, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. And you know what? My guess would be that you are. And um, I was, I was, I was a good kid. I, I was, I, you know, I was a good kid and, you know, and even I, I, we all do bad stuff and I did, but I would say generally I, I was a good person. Um, but once you receive God's goodness, you realize you weren't even close. <laughs> I mean, you were not even close. So here's what happens. When you receive Christ, his goodness comes in. And you know what happens? His goodness collides with your badness. <laughs> it just does. There is a collision that takes place. I'm telling you, if you receive Christ really into your life, I'm not talking, you can be a religious person and try to do good things and kind of feel good about yourself. But if you receive Christ into your life, there will be a conflict because he is so good and you're not. 1 John 1.5 puts it like this. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and we declare to you, God is light, and in him there is, how much darkness? No. no darkness. None. See, if you're a good person, you would also be really, really warped if you'd say that you're that good. <laughs> I mean, we all admit that we fall short, that we do things that are wrong. In God, there is no darkness. Zero, zilch, nada. It's all good. And this is why it is so different. Okay, this is why it is so different when you receive Christ. Because even if you're a good person, you are good by human standards. You are good compared to your neighbor or your coworker or the people around you, but not compared to God. In fact, it, it, one of the things I've thought of is, like, have you ever been in complete darkness and then walked into a blind light, you know, like a really bright light? Anybody ever had that experience? You know? I mean, actually, it happens in here. Like, it's pretty dark, and then you walk outside. It won't happen today because it's all cloudy. But, I mean, sometimes I'll actually walk out of here, and what happens? What do you do? You have to go, jeez. You know, it's like every morning. The worst thing in the world is when I wake up, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, and you're feeling really sick. And you're like, oh, God, I need a Rolaids, you know? And so what do you do? You run to the bathroom. You're, you know, you're like, where are those dumb things? And then you've got to flick the light on. Oh, ah! And you just, you just, oh. You guys, when you receive Christ, spiritually, that's what happens. For the first time, you see yourself for who you really are. In light of God. Not in light of your neighbor, who's dark like you, but in light of God, in whom there is no darkness. So, I want to receive Christ. Okay, great. Then you're going to receive his goodness. And in his goodness, he is holy and pure. And his light collides with your darkness. Now look at this next, the next verse, 1 John 1, 6. Okay. You guys ready? There's some, there's some incredible truth here again today. I'm just amazed at this stuff. If we claim to have fellowship with him, with God, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not live by the truth. 
Interesting. Let's keep this one up just for a little bit if we can. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and can I just tell you, you know what fellowship is? It's not donuts and coffee in the fellowship hall. Okay? Anybody else grow up with that? You know, I mean, for me, it's like you have a fellowship hall, and it means, you, you know, you get your donut and your coffee, and you say, hey, how's it going this morning? Good. You know, great. That's not fellowship, you guys. That's church fellowship, but it's not fellowship. What fellowship means at its core is it means you know. It is the very word we're talking about. It means when you're having fellowship with somebody, it is a deep, intimate knowledge like my relationship with my wife. And he's saying here, if you claim to know God, to be in fellowship with him, okay, now go ahead and throw up the gear again for me. Thanks so much for being patient with me, Julie. If this is what you're claiming, because this is what it means to know God, my life is engaged in his life, and he's in me. And yet you're walking in darkness? <laughs> what the Bible's telling us, no, you're not. You, you, you are not having fellowship with God. In fact, in one other place in the scripture says, what fellowship can light have with darkness? It, it can't. And so what we realize here is, you guys, we got to look really quickly at, at what this is. And so um, just kind of bear with me for a second. Because I just want to help you. The only, again, let me share this with you. My passion for you and my passion for me in my life is I want everything I need. Do you not? Do you want everything you need? Do you want his grace and peace in abundance? Do you want to escape the things that are corrupting your life? Do you want to participate in his divine nature? I'm telling you, I do. And so too much of the time, I don't. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay, so you're following Jesus, don't have the life he offers. What's the problem? Apparently, what he's telling us is you're walking possibly in darkness because if you say, well, I know God, but you walk in darkness, you're a liar. You don't really know him. And so apparently, if I'm walking in darkness, then I'm disengaged from God and it makes me ineffective in my knowledge and it makes me unproductive. So I'm going to walk through a passage here in Ephesians. And if you're sitting there today and you're just going, nah, I think I'm probably good. Let me read this for you because <laughs> you're in here somewhere. All right. I'm going to get you eventually. All right. Here we go. Um, with the Lord's authority, let me say this. This is not on the screen. I'm just going to read. Live no longer as the ungodly do. In other words, just as the people who don't know God do. For they're confused. And then it says their closed minds are full of darkness. Isn't that interesting? But in God, there's no darkness. They are far away from the life of God. What's that mean? You're disengaged. Therefore, you don't know him. Therefore, you can't receive everything that you need for life. You are far away from the life of God because they've shut their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. Some people have just done that. They said they're just, some of you are here and you, you're still, you know, you're pursuing God, but you haven't shut him out. Your heart isn't hard, you're wondering. But if you shut him out and you're hard against him, and then it says they don't care anymore about right and wrong. And they have given themselves over to immoral ways and their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. Okay, so here we go. So put, a wa put away all falsehood. And tell your neighbor the truth, because we belong to each other. So if, 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 you're, if you're not a truth teller, that will make you disengage. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. 
Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Now, it doesn't mean, does God get angry? Yes, he does. But he doesn't ever let his anger obviously lead to sin. But if anger controls us, then we're going to disengage from God. If you're a thief, stop stealing. Okay? Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. There it is. So some of you, it's that small little thing you're doing at work, just taking this little thing or whatever. Stop it. It'll keep you from being totally engaged with God. Don't use foul... Okay, here you go. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he is the one who identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Ready? Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ forgave you. Okay, here you go. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. And again, sexual morality would be any sexual stuff that's outside of marriage. If you're involved in that, and I know, I just, I know, I've, in, this, in our culture, you just are. <laughs> and so in a room this size, some of you just are. And if you're wondering, why can't I get the fullness of God in my life? Well, if you're engaged in sexual activity outside of God, then you disengage from God. And it keeps you from being, in, it keeps you from being ineffective, it keeps you from being effective and productive in your knowledge of him. That's one of the things you just got to know. Okay, and this happens all the time in Christian circles. Ready? Such, I love, where am I at? Here I am. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. I know we don't send those to each other on the internet or anything like that. You guys, it's, you know, this is where we go. All of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. Does that, come on, Nelson chill. I'm like, I didn't write this. So this isn't, this, this isn't my idea. This is God's idea. Be careful. In other words, if you're crude, Jesus doesn't sit there and go, yeah, let's engage in that. He just doesn't. He just does. And so you got to watch that. Maybe that's why you're not feeling totally engaged with God. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure, and here's what's weird, that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. In other words, if you're greedy, if you're about yourself, you're not generous, then this isn't going to happen is basically what, what Paul is saying here. So don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Because <laughs> Don't we all? And, and usually it's us trying to excuse them ourselves, right? You ever had that conversation with yourself? Oh, you know, it's not that bad. I'm not like him, you know. No, but you're not like God. And that's who we actually should be thinking about, not him. So don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the terrible anger of God comes upon all who, do, who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord. And your behavior should show it. For this light within you produces only what is good <laughs> and right and true. Okay, everybody feel spanked? Yeah. 
Just, you know, I hate that, you know. I don't know if you spank your children or not, but um, every once in a while, it just seems the appropriate thing to do. And nobody likes that. But I can tell you, the only reason God writes this stuff for you, if you received a spiritual spanking right then, the only reason you ever discipline your children is why? Because you love them. I'm telling you, I see some behavior in my kids, and I go, if that behavior continues, their life is going to stink. It's going to be bad. It's not good. It's not right. And it's our job as parents to discipline them. And God looks at you and he says, listen, I just, I just want you to know because I created the world and I know what's good. And if you head down this path, it just won't be good. And I want to let you know that. All right? So, 1 John 1.8, the very next thing he goes on to say is this. Now, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay, anybody see the dilemma here? Here's the dilemma. If I claim to know God but walk in darkness, I'm a liar. If I claim I don't have any sin, I'm a liar. I, I want to say something I probably shouldn't say in church. I'm... Yeah, well, you, put the, you fill in the blank with whatever you want to put in there, in your own mind. But basically, what is... You're, you're up the creek! Because I, if, I'm, if I'm in sin, I can't engage with God, and yet if I say I don't have sin, then I'm a liar, and so what's the deal? So what do we do? Here's what you do, you guys. How do I get this goodness in me? How do I do it? You confess your sin to God. You agree with God. The very next verse, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You guys, if any of you think that you're really good, you're, you're just, you're not. I'm not. And you realize, verse 8, I've got sin in me. But whenever it creeps up and gets a hold of me, I have an option. Embrace it, hide it, enjoy it, keep doing it, or... Agree with God that it's not good and confess it. Let him forgive me and let him cleanse me. See, and that right there is how you engage with his goodness. Because I guarantee you, his bright light is going to shine and expose the stuff that's bad in you. And when you finally realize, wow, this isn't good, this isn't right, if you want to engage with God and have everything that you need for life, then what you do is you simply confess that to God, agree with him that it's sin, he goes, thank you, and then he forgives you, and then he cleanses you. What's that mean? It means he starts, you know, I mean, man, Caleb put blackberries in our carpet. You know, Susie's over there with the, with, the, with the paper towel. You know, oh, that worked great. You know, so we have to go out and get some resolve. And, and you've got stains inside you. And when you expose them to God, he goes, psh, psh, psh. he starts cleansing you. Starts cleansing you. He keeps cleansing you. Did it again? Confess it to me. Psh, psh. Keeps going. And step by step, little by little, you start to look like him. Remember what Peter started, how he started the letter. He said, to those who through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. If you're a follower of Christ today, you have faith in what? You know what I have faith in? One thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no faith in myself. I know myself all too well. But I have faith in the gospel. 
And when you add goodness to your faith, the one way you add goodness to it is you accept the goodness of God into your life. And every time your life is exposed for what it is, you accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for your sins, you embrace his love for you, you get out of the mud like I talked last week, and you keep moving on, and he starts making you the man you were meant to be, and he starts making you the woman that you were meant to be. You give a chance to exercise your faith in the gospel. And I've had plenty of opportunity to exercise my faith in the gospel. I had it like a few weeks ago. I sinned once. Okay, that was supposed to be funny. Sorry. But, I mean, seriously, the, like a, an issue that God was bringing up over and over and over again to me, and I kept you know, stuffing it, you know. And then finally, I'm like studying for what I'm supposed to tell you, and I'm thinking maybe I should try it. And so <clears throat> I confess it to God. I also had to confess it to Susie. Unbelievable. That day, I was free. See, because when you're living in the dark, what do you got to do? You got to hide it got to hide it. Hiding stinks, man. Just come clean and be free. Let his forgiveness cleanse you every day. See, this is stuff, and nobody lives a perfect day. Every day, it should just be part of our life where we just confess. At the end of the day, a lot of people just spend time at the end of the day and go, man, what was my day like? Oh, that was good. Thanks, God, for that. Man, thanks for helping me serve there and to do good things here. And oh, yeah. yeah, there it is. That was not good. And you confess it to him. And let him touch you and cleanse you. And then you guys, you have your stuff that you're really, really hiding. (laughs) I mean, I had stuff that I knew I would never tell anybody. Not her, nobody. Because if anybody knew this, I'm toast. Don't raise your hand. Anybody got one of those? I'll never forget the day when I told somebody. And you better make sure, man, if you tell somebody... (laughs) that it's a person of grace and mercy like Jesus. And he was. And it broke the power of what was carrying me down. I'm telling you guys, confession of your sin is one of the greatest things you can ever do. And it will bring God's goodness into your life. That should be the end of the message. It's enough But the one way you know God is you get him into your life. And if you've brought Christ into your life, you've brought a holy God into your life, and he's exposing things to you right now that just aren't good. And all you need to do today, instead of being like, oh, man, because I don't know about you, but that's when I beat myself up. Man, you stink, Nelson, you loser. You low bag scum, you're a pastor, what a joke. And some of you walked in, you're like, oh, man, you're just hearing all the words. And you come to church, and hey... How you doing? Good. A bunch of liars. (laughs) You could walk out of here good today. It's already been done. Might as well take advantage of it, huh? And be free. But, really quickly, the other way that you know God is not just to get him into your life. What do you got to do? Oh, please help me. I'm teaching better than this, aren't I? That you also have to engage in his life. So you've got to engage in his goodness. So how do I engage in his goodness? 1 John 2, 3 through 6 says this. We know that we have come to know him, which means I'm in him and he's in me. I know him. How? If we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, 
but does not do what he commands is a... Oh, here we are again. Man, we're just a bunch of liars. And the truth is not in him, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. This is how I know I'm in God and that he's in me, that I'm engaged and now I've got everything I need. How do we know this? Whoever claims to live in him, you can claim all you want, but you actually have to walk as Jesus did. So apparently, if I'm going to really experience his goodness, not only do I get him in so he cleanses all the junk out of my life, I also have to engage in what he's engaged in. I have to join into his goodness. And he says, the way you do that, well, just just do what I tell you to do, okay? Because all of his commands are good, you guys. Nehemiah 9.13, you come down on Mount Sinai, you spoke to them from heaven, you gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. And again, if you've read the Bible at all, or if you know God, we know what a lot of these things are, right? Here's the question. Why don't we do good things? Why don't we do what God commands? First one, you might not think it's good. I mean, you look at that and you go, ah, I'm gonna, I don't know. I don't like that one. I'm not going to do that one. Okay, good. That's why. The second reason you don't do them is you might think they're good, but you just don't want to do it. Anybody relate to that one? Yeah, I'm sure that probably would be good. I just don't feel like it. So I'm not going to. Okay, great. Let's go on to the next one. Sometimes we're just lazy. I'm just lazy sometimes. And I know what's good, and I just don't, again, I don't feel like doing it. And sometimes you're scared to do them. Anybody ever been scared to do what God says to do? Yeah. Guys, you know what's so interesting about that? Here's the key. The entire law, God said, Jesus told us, the whole law, all the good commands are tied up in what? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. (laughs) Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law, everything is summed up. If you love God and if you love your neighbor, you're good to go. You know what I found out? This is so interesting. Every good thing that God wants us to do is never self-centered. And that's why we don't do them. Because we're self-centered. I don't feel like it. You know that fear, the opposite of fear, you know what it really is? It's love. See, because if you love, you're always thinking about the other person, but if you're scared, you're thinking about yourself. So when God gives you a command, you all you got to do is go, man, somehow I'm thinking about me. Instead of what God's asked me to do, I don't trust him. Again, I'm not adding to my faith goodness. I'm adding to my fear. <sighs> and then I disengage with God. Man, I'm telling you guys, every good thing comes from God because it's always going to be, eventually it's going to be about loving him or it's going to be about loving your neighbor. And that's what we need to remember. So, how do I walk as Jesus did? Um, okay, I'm doing okay. How do I walk as Jesus did? Just a few ideas. And these are ones that I'm working on. Let me give you the ones I'm working on first, then I'll give you some maybe you want to work on. The first one is this. You read the Bible, and you will find out that God, all he does is give and give and give and give. If you've taken the crash course, you've seen that. He just gives and gives and gives. And again, a good person is generous. One way that I know for me when I'm struggling to be good is I'm not generous. And God makes it very clear, very clear. You cannot read the scripture. There's more stuff about money in the Bible than anything else because he knows if I can somehow get you to be generous with that, you're so good to go. But man, we do not want to be generous with our stuff. If you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't know why I don't have the power of God. 
I don't know why I don't have peace and abundance and grace. And I don't know why I don't have the fullness. I don't know why corruption's still creeping in. I can tell you one way. If you are hoarding your finances for yourself, you're not obeying the command of God. And you are disengaged. I'm going to say, I just, I, you know, let's know. It's just reality. It's just true. And I know for Susie and I, when we're generous, you know what happens? Blessings start to flow. It's just crazy. So just consider, are you generous with what God has given you? Because he gave it to you so that you could give it. Are you doing that? And if you're not, that might be one area like it can be for me. Okay? Second area is Jesus was a servant. Oh, boy. You know, this, is, this was part of the one I had to confess to Susie. I, you know, I, anybody else tired when you come home from work? Whew, you know, who cares if she's been with three kids all day, you know, screaming and yelling. I'm tired. And sometimes I go home and I'm just, I, servant? Are you kidding me? Hey, I'm home to be served, not to serve, right? And Jesus says, what? I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I tell you what, a good person is somebody who doesn't think about themselves and they put themselves lower and they serve the people around them. Do you know, if you're a follower of Jesus today, every single one of you, he gave you a specific gift so that you could serve the church. Every one of you. I told this to the crash course on on Wednesday. Did you know that the only cell in the body, every cell in our body gives and receives? Oh, there it is again. Every good cell gives itself away to the body and it receives from the body, except which one? Except the cancer cell. The cancer cell is the one that says, I'm taken and I'm not giving anything back. And what does cancer do? It kills you. Why would God say, give your life away, serve? I gave you a gift to use for the benefit of the body. Yeah, but see, I come to church to get. Okay, great and important to get. But when you get, you better give back or else it ends up being cancerous to your own soul. If you just take in, you know what happens? What's a swamp? You know what a swamp is? It's water that gets it and sits there. I love to cross from a swamp. They stink. You know what's great? Water that comes in and has an outlet to push it through. What's that water? Oh, it's fresh. And it's good and it's drinkable. So for some of you, you go, man, how come I don't have the joy and the peace of my life? And for some of you, it's like, because you're living for yourself. And you haven't yet given yourself away. And so you just need to think, how can I serve my wife, my husband, my children, my coworkers, and how can I serve the church? It's what we do. And then we care for those that are in need. All right, now we're done. So here's the recap, you guys. You and I have everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. And knowledge means he's in my life and I'm in his life. So Peter says, great, you got that faith? Good. Now add goodness into your life. Let God's goodness expose your badness Confess it to him and receive the forgiveness and the cleansing so you can be free. And whatever command it is that you know God has for you to engage in, whatever that is, engage in it. And watch the goodness add to your faith. And watch the peace and the grace and the fruit of the Spirit. And watch the corruption erode away. And watch the blessing of God come. You know what will happen? You will know 
God. And you will have everything that you need. So Mary, come on up here. Let's get out the band up here. So here we go. Um, how we're going to end our service today is with communion. <laughs> this is so perfect today. To celebrate communion today. Because what Jesus said is, you know, I'm so, can I just be honest with you? I'm going to go home. Susie knows this. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go, you know what? I just felt like I stood up there in my underwear. Um, sometimes <clears throat> I share some stuff and I get done and I go home and I'm like, oh, I just dig a hole, kind of crawl in. But I just want to let you know today, again, if you have faith in Christ, he wants you to have everything. Don't be duped into thinking that we can live in the darkness and experience the fullness of God. It just doesn't work that way. That's all this is about, you guys. And I feel like today is a chance for God to say, you could totally experience me and know me in amazing ways. So what Jesus said is, then we got to do a couple things. First thing is you got to remember how much I love you. You got to remember how much I love you. I am not up, I mean, when I, again, when I tell this stuff to my parents, like Susan and I had to do this morning, had to set our kids down and go, okay, here we go again. When God does that with us, it's totally because he loves you. And so he said, you know what you guys got to do? You got to remember my love. So come up here and take the bread and break it. And remember, I broke my body for you. I gave everything I had for you. That's how much I love you. And then you're going to dip it in the juice as a reminder. I even spilled my blood for you. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Man, you guys, I don't care how you came in or if you feel kind of crappy today, you should not. That was so not the intention today. If you do feel crappy, then you should come up here and let him have all of that and walk away being loved by Jesus. He's crazy about you. Remember that you've been forgiven. Remember that you have everything that you need for life. And let's celebrate the love of God. Celebrate the love of God. I, like I said last week, I fall in the mud all the time. But by the grace of God, he cleanses me, and I get up, and I keep going. And I hope that's what you'll experience today as well.